You're listening to the Officers Club podcast, the internet's second best free Barnet podcast. To subscribe, visit iTunes, Acast or Soundcloud. Or to get in touch with the show, tweet us at Barnet underscore podcast. Hi, my name is Staff and I'm joined here this evening by Thomas Bertie Bedell. Very formal, good evening. William Gwynne Evans. Hello. Jonathan David Blakey. Hello. Let's quickly start by saying that we're on Twitter at Barnet underscore podcast. And we also have a website, which is officersclubpod.com. This is a small, and I've said this so many times, but this is a small, gents, you're hearing this, this is a small pod ahead of a big game, a defining game, the game that decides where we play next season, the final game of the season. So, let's start by looking at the previous game, the game that set this up, that was somehow a very crucial game. Will, you saw it coming. Morecambe game. Talk me through it. Yeah, I, I don't know if I really necessarily saw it coming. I, it was more that I thought the combination of the other team's fixtures would lead to a situation where if we could win all of our games, that we'd still be in with a chance going into the final match. And the difficult bit was going to be winning all of our matches, especially this Morecambe game. Um, but Barnett performed pretty admirably, I think, uh, in the second half especially. First half, we were the better side, but it was it was a little bit cagey and it was relatively even. And I remember saying to Jonathan at half time, you know, I'm not sure this is enough. Like we're we're doing okay, but it didn't really look like we were going to make a breakthrough. We d- we weren't kind of being clinical enough in the final third with our final pass. Um, and then second half, Barnet came up, came out, and they were more. They just looked more potent in attack, and we carved out more chances. Morecambe, in all honesty, threatened very little throughout the whole game. They were. A, pretty poor side I thought based on that one match uh, they sat back they were really going for the one point they needed to ensure survival and that that bit them in the in the bum essentially because then Alex Nichols popped up with that goal lovely flick by Jean-Louis Aprapo into his path and then he fired it into the bottom corner um, you know great goal and thoroughly deserved on balance on the balance of the game I think we were we were worthy winners um, you were also there Jonathan do you want to ex- expand on that yeah, I completely agree with everything Will said there. We were we were by far the better side throughout the whole 90 minutes. We lost something when Akinola went off in the first half because he was he was our main attacking threat down the left-hand side. He was he was excellent. And then he he unfortunately been revealed today that he's ruptured his Achilles, which is such a terrible injury for him to uh, suffer. Um, and we lost a little bit towards the end of the first half, lost a little bit going forward. But then, yeah, second half, we were a lot more, seemed to have a little bit more intent about us. John Akinde was getting a little bit more involved and just seemed to be a tiny little bit more urgency to our play. And, um, we had good chances, good chances in the second half. I remember Alex Nichols missing a great chance around the far post and John Akinde jumped just in front of Jack Taylor who was about to head in at the far post as well that sort of put him off the finish and it, they needed something special to break Morecambe down in all honesty they didn't offer anything going forwards but they they didn't look too leaky at the back so they needed something special to beat them um, and thankfully we got Alex Nichols to produce that moment of magic that sent me and everyone else wild when the goal went in so yeah cool deserve that good to hear Tom, I know you weren't there, but uh, by popular demand, we're going to give a go at Tom Bedell's stat corner. Do you want to dig up some stats on Jean-Louis' assist stats? I don't know if he'll have a lot of stats specifically, but perhaps he gets uh, assists at crucial times. Or if you could just find the stat for amount of worldy assists one man can have, that'd be fantastic too. Are you expecting me to produce these immediately? No, I'm, I can stall. I can stall for about ten seconds. Okay, right. no, I'm joking. I'll, I'll go back. I'm going back to Jonathan, and then Will, and I'll come back round to you. But oh, okay. Uh, okay. I heard Jean Louis mentioned, and as I'm sure I'm you can appreciate, as soon as there's a, pl- a chance to plug some Jean Louis, I was I was in. Yeah, I think we might have to scrap this little particular section because, according to uh, uh, Scout, he didn't actually get the assist on Saturday so this season he's averaged no assists per game that is quite clearly wrong yes <laughs> I, I, I do have I do have, I do have actually have one good stat to be fair 
but I can't claim it as mine um, because I actually stole it from the Channel 5 highlights show. Um, but Alex Nichols, his goals this season have earned us 14 points. Oh, that's yeah. a good start. I, I was going to put that up. That's really harsh that we, we kind of said, you know, Tom wasn't there at the game. We'll give him something to do so he doesn't feel out of the loop. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> and Jonathan's like, I'm just going to bring one stat to the table, but it'll be the best stat at the table. Sorry, Tom. That's all right, mate. I'll, um, I'll, uh, I'll uh, turn and try and take my tail out from between my legs and find something useful. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, I can't tell if if this is you trying to make up for abusing a fan last week, and now just being teacher's pet, putting the extra work in, or you're slowly trying to assert dominance by now booting Tom out. Uh, it's it's neither. I, I may have offended a fan last last time, but I did win the poll, so I'm here because the, yeah. the people want me. <laughs> that was a farce. Right, Will, I'm coming to you again. Save us from this, um, Alex Nichols. Rossi yeah. seemed to drop him at the start of the season. You were ready already. Um, Rossi dropped him at the start of the season. Um, Martin Allen kind of dropped him in his last stint here, which is, you know, it feels like decades ago, although it wasn't. He's come good, hasn't he? He has. I still... He's such a funny player, Alex Nichols, because he doesn't really do anything for an awful lot of the game. Like, he's someone who... You know, you're, you're playing him out wide, but a lot of the time he lacks the conventional attributes of a typical winger. Like he doesn't really have particularly good pace. He's not exceptional at crossing or dribbling. He's kind of, he's not particularly good at anything except finishing. I think luckily finishing has been the thing that he's got the chance to do over these last few games, you know, and as, as uh, Jonathan said, he's won us so many points just from popping up. We've had one chance perhaps in a game, one or two chances. And he's been the one, who's on the end of it, because he's such a good finisher, he's been able to put it away. Um, I think a lot of it's about confidence as well. I, I believe that a little while back in his career, he had quite a bad leg break at, um, I think it was Northampton Town, and he kind of, the general assessment of him was that he never quite came back the same player. And I wonder if like something like that must really knock your your confidence and your own ability, I guess, when you don't seem quite the same. And, and uh, since then, there hasn't really been a point where he's had this run of games and goals that I, it seems that as it's gone along, that's kind of maybe elevated his own belief in his, in his ability a little bit. And that's why he keeps, you know, keeps performing in recent games. That's a really good shout. Something I will say, um, you said that he doesn't do much throughout the game. I think, I think a better way of phrasing that and correct me if I'm wrong, is that he does run around and put defenses under quite a lot of pressure during a game, but he doesn't have a lot of end product. Is that a better way of defining that? Yeah, actually, you're right. Cause it, the way, if you you can misinterpret that a little bit, what I said, I, I don't mean that he doesn't do much in terms of work rate, effort, running. You know, he's all over the place, and he does. You know, he's constantly chasing down defenders. He does a lot of work off the ball. I just mean that in terms of you know, when you compare him to a winger like say Mauro Valletti, who you know he's always on the ball, always dancing around someone, sort of doing something that really lifts the crowd. He's not that kind of player. I think a lot of his best work is without the ball and then occasionally when he does get it in a danger zone he you know makes the most of it yeah I would agree with that um, Jonathan very quickly on Alex Nichols is he the best defensive striker since Dirk Kout <laughs> um, uh, yeah League 2 level possibly yeah <laughs> um, I, I, I I don't I, I don't think that Will's trying to sound like he's criticising Alex Nichols there by saying he doesn't do a lot because he does do a lot and comparing him to Mara Valete, I don't know if that's the right thing to do really because he they're totally different players Mara Valete is he can play all over the place he's more of a dribbler he's more of a you know I'm going to get myself to the byline no matter what Alex Nichols is a different style of player he for the first year you were saying about Martin Allen not trying him in his first thing his first year we never actually knew what position he was he Signed as a right winger from Exeter, but we were playing him up front all the time, and then it was never really doing much. And we he ended up going out of the team, and Rossi, Rossi didn't fancy him. He, he, he's finally playing as a right winger, and he's he's showing us what he can actually do. He's he does do a lot off the ball. The amount I've lost count the amount of times he he charged down and blocked clearances from Morgan players on the weekend. He did a lot of that. 
uh, which went unnoticed by a lot of people. And saying that he, he has a or he doesn't have a lot of an end product, I, I'd argue he probably has the best end product out of any of our players at the moment because he's sticking the ball in the back of the net when no one else can. That's a really good point, and uh, ultimately, that is the reality, isn't it? When you're at this stage of the season, oh, excuse me, <clears throat> when you're at this stage of the season, that is the most important thing. I've been talking about how frustrating it is for me that we have players who have mistakes in them, and Alex Nichols, to give him the credit that he deserves at the moment, is the complete opposite. He's a player who is, for all his faults or for a perceived lack of quality or whatever you, uh, criticism you wish to throw his way, he's the man putting the ball in the back of the net when it counts, which is top stuff, and again, credit to him. Um, and, well, sorry, go on, yeah, go on then. Yeah, I'll just to further back up my point, with my other team, Sunderland, who've sadly been relegated now, I'm not going to go into that, but Sunderland had a player on loan earlier this season called Lewis Graben. And he, he was a striker that often got accused of doing absolutely nothing. But he did stick the ball in the back of the net and he, he left in January and he's gone on loan to Aston Villa now and he's doing quite well there. He is still our top goal scorer, but yet we didn't like him because he did nothing. And I, I, I feel like if, if anybody can put the ball in the back of the net, then he's worth having in the team. And um, Will and I were actually discussing on the way back from Morecambe as to whether Alex Nichols has done enough to earn himself a new contract next season. I, I would say he has. He's a player who can put the ball in the back of the net, and I'd like to know how well he would have done had he been given a full season. He, we probably wouldn't be in this situation if we had his goals all season. And if you can have a player, the more players you can put the ball in the back of the net, the better, surely. Good shout. Tom, do you agree with that? I think it's it's fashionable, isn't it, to look at what a player can't do rather than what a player can do. And the fact that he's got six goals in the league, uh, you know, as as Jonathan said, they come at vital times. And that is a knack that you, you can't, you can never have too many of those, um, too many of those players. I've never been fully convinced by him because... As you, as you actually rightly point out, he's almost that kind of defensive winger type, isn't he? He's not a Mauro run to the line and and put crosses in. He does a lot. Of, he, you know, you can never accuse him of not working hard. He works incredibly hard off the ball, and I think sometimes that's to his detriment. He ends up being kind of displaced or what have you. When it when Barnett turned the ball over, he's maybe out of position because he has been working hard and then he's not in the position to do. Maybe what you know you'd expect a winger to do conventionally. Um, I had a look at his stats, and it's quite interesting that basically, in taken in League Two only, he's pretty much everything. He's down this season. That's possibly because he's not um, he's not played until kind of the run in very regularly. But I've taken it per I've taken those stats per ninety, and this season he has actually averaged more minutes in a game than he did last season. So I don't think it is that. But one thing that did kind of stand out to me was that he's kind of actually contesting about half as many defensive duels this season he was last season, which is what kind of leads me to believe that I wonder if he's been... I'm sure Martin Allen's not told him to, you know, do less for the team because that isn't a very Martin Allen way to set a team up. But I wonder if he's made a more conscious decision to focus on... uh, ensuring he's in position to contribute going forward and... You look at um, some of his goals, he's kind of been on the shoulder of the last defender for a couple of them. And I wonder if he just wasn't getting in those positions last season. And I will obviously add that that has something to do with the fact that he's played up front a little bit this year as well. When I think for the majority of last season, it's fair to say he played um, played on the right. So, um, yeah, he's a, he's a little bit of a hard one to kind of pigeonhole, I think, isn't he? I find that. I find that really interesting, actually, because last season, for a lot of the time, Rossi Eames was in charge. And at the beginning of this season, Rossi Eames was in charge again, and Rossi didn't want to know about Alex Nichols. And I just wonder if last season he was giving him a chance, but he was asking him to do extra defensive duties, and he wasn't doing what we've been or led to believe that Alex Nichols does do, and that's score goals and create chances. And if he's doing more defensive duties... If Rossi was asking him to do that, then he's obviously not going to be in a position to do all those creative attacking ways. And he's, uh, that's possibly why Rossi wasn't looking at him this, this season in the beginning. Interesting analysis. I'll, I must say, yeah. though, that it, it, surely it would uh, 
that would counteract what we've just said, which is that he, he's very good at doing the defensive work. I think most people who see the team at the moment say that his biggest asset, obviously the scoring goals, obviously, but in all-round general play, the thing he does best is apply pressure and, and do his defensive duties. It's just worth pointing out, he wouldn't have played very often for Rossi last season because he went on loan to Dundee United. Um, oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it was United at the, right at the end of January, didn't he? So he might have played a few games. He, I do, he did score on Rossi's first game in charge against Yeovil yes. last year. Also worth, uh, also worth pointing out. Okay, so quick one then. Will, has Alex Nichols done enough to earn a contract for next season, in your opinion? I'd say yes, just about. It's uh, He's kind of potentially just rescued his Barnet career at the last minute. Um, until... You know, until really after Rossi left this season, he'd done nothing in his whole time at Barnet to suggest that he'd be anywhere close to getting a new contract. But I just think we've seen enough from him in terms of his all-round contribution to the team, ability to finish. At the very least, you'd want him probably in the team as a squad player. I don't imagine he commands you know, a huge wage. So whatever what division we're in next year, I can probably see a place for him in the squad, certainly. Okay. And for you, Jonathan? Yeah. No, I completely agree. He doesn't need to be a regular starter every week. We could go out in the summer and buy players that are a little bit more effective than him and he maybe lose his place a little bit. But he's he's definitely the type of player, a little bit like John Louis Apparapo is as well. He's definitely the type of player every squad needs. And when when he's needed, uh, when he's needed, he can do the job. OK, and for you, Tom? I would give him a new contract, yes. But I just reckon he might not get one on the basis that he one swallow doesn't make a summer kind of thing. Now, it's been more than one swallow, obviously, because he's got a lot of important goals. But I just think if you take his Barnet career as a whole, it would probably it would count against him, basically. And I think that I agree with Willie's probably not on, you know, if we reasonably assume that John O'Kindy is probably the top earner. At the club, I'm sure he's not anywhere near that ballpark, but I'm sure he doesn't come cheap either. And yeah, I just don't think he would. I don't know. I just don't see. I just don't see an agreement being struck. That's fair. If 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 we don't give him a new contract, then we've got to go out and get someone who's better than him in the summer. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Also a good shout. So I think in summary, Alex Nichols' recent performances and contributions. We salute you. Uh, talking of recent contributions, crucial, crucial part to play in us beating Morecambe. Will, how big was that psychologically for us and psychologically for Morecambe? I think, and oh God, I could be made to eat my words here. Um, if I've been waiting result... a long time, Will, and you seem to keep getting away with it. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously things could go wrong against Chesterfield, but... When we came away from the game, the, the real feeling amongst supporters certainly was that Barnet really felt like a team on the up and Morecambe were on a real slide. I mean, that's kind of obvious, but the team themselves, um, they looked so crestfallen when they, you know, when the final whistle went, the Morecambe team, Jim Bentley was arguing with, with one of the fans in the stand at the end of the game. He looked, he sounded incredibly negative in his post-match interview. There was just this overriding feeling that that was Morecambe's big chance to you know avoid the drop and that everyone knows how hard their match against Coventry is going to be away and that must I don't know it must do some psychological damage when you haven't been even been able to get a draw against you know the team that's second bottom of the league in a must not a must win game but a game where you had to get a result I don't know I think it must be damaging for Morecambe and on on the flip side Barnett must be you know so many wins now out of Martin Allen's tenure the players must be buzzing you'd imagine yeah that's a great point uh, I would agree with that one quick thing Will I'm going to come back to you on uh, you mentioned how at the end of the game Jim Bentley seemed quite upset with the team and they seemed to be in a real in a real bother you know how people say that a team can peak too early you know as in over a tournament they play their best football in the middle do you think we hit rock bottom early so now we're on the way back up before it's too late I think no, I just think it's that we didn't appoint a good enough manager until too late, essentially. I think that this team has always 
probably been a perfectly competent League Two side. Uh, now that Marcel has got them set up in the right way, you can see that. Um, I don't know if it really makes a difference when we peaked and when we didn't. I think it's just all about which manager we've had at different times. And essentially, Marcel is the one who's got us out of this mess or could get us out of this mess. And if he had a couple more games, I imagine we already would be out of out of the woods. Fair enough. Jonathan, for yourself, do you think that the game last... I think, I think it's fair to say that the, the game against Morecambe will have an impact psychologically on both sides. Do you think that it's been very important? Do you think there's still room for either team, you know, for Morecambe to bounce back, for us to get ahead of ourselves? How do you feel about that? You know what? I've been worrying about this all day. After the game on Mor- at Morecambe, I and everyone else associated with Barnet was on cloud nine. And I truly felt that was it. We were going to be the team that were going to stay up. Um, and just watching the reaction of the Morecambe players after the game, there was, I don't know, there was one of the players, I think it was one of the holding midfielders, Michael Rose or whatever like that. And he took his shin pads out. He was chucking them all over the pitch. There was some of them that was lying down with their head in their hands on the pitch. And they looked devastated. And then obviously Jim Bentley arguing with the fans right in front of us at the end of the game and, I went out to do my interview with Martin Allen on the pitch after it, and there were still Morecambe fans in the ground. There was only a handful of them, though. The assistant manager came out onto the pitch, and the fans were asking, where are the players? And you almost completely forgot that was their last home game of the season, and tradition is you do a lap of honour. And the players didn't want to go out the, only a whole handful of them went out and applauded the fans and the manager Jim Bentley apparently didn't go out at all um, and Wills Wright he sounded incredibly dejected in his interview after the game and from what I've been reading on Twitter and other uh, news outlets he, they've been that result and if more can get relegated it could they, they might actually cease to exist They're, they've still got a lot of problems off the field with their owners and whatever else, and they might never return back to the Football League if they go down. Um, but today I've been really worrying about it because that, in a way, could they could have a big team meeting or something today, clear the air and just say, look, one last game away at Coventry, who they beat earlier in the season, we played Coventry away from home early in the season. They didn't look all that. They didn't look all that at the hive way back at the beginning of the season either. Both teams only need a point. Morecambe are the draw specialists this season. They can do it. And I think everything that happened on Saturday was so negative for them. In a way, it could be flipped around and be the incentive that they need to go and uh, just get the point that they need to stay up. If they get a point, we're going down on goal difference because they've got so much better goal difference than us. And I've been worrying so much about this. We are not out of the woods just yet. No, I must admit, if I could just nip in very quickly. First of all, I've been essentially glued to the Morecambe message board since that game because, like, you know, such is the sad state of my life. I've been worrying about this this upcoming Chesterfield match 24-7. I've been kind of trying to get any crumb of relief from their their fans something bad that's happened or something that might make me feel more like they're gonna mess up the game against against Coventry and their their supporters were absolutely furious from what I can see about Jim Bentley's reaction after the game the fact that the players didn't come out he didn't come out to sort of you know applaud the fans last game so I think there is there's such a there's a real kind of fractured relationship between the supporters and Bentley even though he's kind of a club legend and he's done a really good job in difficult circumstances but I think this season Seems to have been the final straw for a lot of fans in terms of you know the defensive performances and so forth. But I, I echo what Jonathan's saying. I think that I'm so worried that they are just going to find a way of getting a point. They draw specialists, you know. They, as you said, they're. I don't know. I just when both teams only need a point, you always wonder will it end up you know going that way because in the final sort of latter stages of the game, if they're drawing, neither team has any real incentive to push for the winner they might want to just kind of protect what they've got um on the flip side the Coventry have just won 6-1 you know and you would imagine their tails are really up and their their morale is really high and they're playing a team which is quite the opposite so 
I know we're just speculating, but there's no real answer either way yet, I guess. Well, yeah, they they won 6-1. But don't forget, you and I, we watched the highlights of that game on the train home. They played Cheltenham, who have absolutely nothing to play for. And almost all of the goals was just rank defending. It was just terrible defending. And I could have scored after the goals that they scored. Um, and I can't imagine Morecambe will turn up to a game and approach it with such relaxed defending as Cheltenham did. No, I'm sure they won't. But at the same time, you know, I, mean, I was listening to Chris Iwellamo, the, the former Wolves striker who was on the Talk Sport. And he was talking about that Coventry match against Cheltenham. And he was saying, you know, as a player, if you, in the dressing room, if you go into the next match after you know a win like that, like a six-one win, everyone is just, you know, they can't wait to get back onto the pitch because they've the joy you get from putting in a performance like that just makes you really kind of you know, motivated, excited to get back and play the next game, and that's got to have some impact, I'd imagine, when they go into the final game against Morgan. I hope you're right. Valid point from from both of you, um, Tom appreciate you weren't there to see it but you're the stats man just wondering irrespective of stats do you think that they can beat or draw with Coventry no I don't think they could have I wouldn't have expected them to even if they weren't hadn't lost to Barnet at the weekend and the fact um I just don't think you can overstate that psychological blow of suddenly being sucked into a battle that you thought you were clear of at this stage. I always think it's better to be the hunter than the hunted. And I said it to Martin Allen a few times during the promotion season that when you're at the top, you're there to be shot at. And when you're safe, you're there to be shot at. Everybody, you've got something to lose. Barnet have had nothing to lose because we've all accepted that they're going down for a while, mostly accepted they're going down for a while and all of a sudden they've hauled themselves into this position you know the corpse is still twitching and it's desperate to to drag someone else into the grave and i think i think that which which perversely then almost puts the pressure on us now because the uh, coventry will be strong favorites for that game for the reasons you've all outlined and Barnet will be strong favourites for the, the Chesterfield game because they're obviously in disarray and, and, and already down. So the main thing is the the equation's clear, but um, it's it's going to be it's going to be a nervy nervy old afternoon, isn't it? So do you think yeah, the final game is in our hands, Tom? No, of course not, because we're still relying on another result, but. <sighs> in the circumstances is about the best you could hope for. And as Martin Allen himself has said, he wanted to get it to the final day and he has. Um, we've done it before. I've every confidence we can do it again, but uh, as the other guys have been right to say, it is a long way from done that those 90 minutes on Saturday are going to feel like forever. And this is in the lead at any point. Sorry. Otherwise it's going to fly by. This is what is worrying me because you were talking about Coventry are expected to beat Morecambe. Mm. But as I was saying on our group chat earlier today, I was listening back to our, our our most recent pod just after the Grimsby game, and we were all talking about Vain. what we expect from um, what we all expect for the the games coming up. And Will was saying how he ex- he expects uh, Swindon and Notts County to both beat Grimsby and Grimsby won both of those games and we were all saying no we can't see them winning those games at all expectations are are making me nervous at the moment I I can't go into a game expecting anything I'm expecting the game will start 0-0 for Morecambe against Coventry and all they have to do is keep a clean sheet when I say it like that it just strikes fear into me that does if you if you look at the book if you look at the bookmakers odds currently they've got Barnet as two to five to go down and um Morecambe as two to one so you're you know they really do have Barnet still as the strong favorites for relegation mm. and you know, that. yeah so am I because um, for me I the way I see it and perhaps that's the, the optimism of being a Barnet fan but I see it very much as a toss of a coin. You've got Barnet with a great home fixture against a team that are already down. 
versus Morecambe, who've got the points advantage and only need a draw, but they've got a pretty terrible fixture away at one of the you know, the top sides. That seems like a sort of 50-50 shot to me, roughly speaking. But the only worry is the bookmakers don't often get this kind of thing wrong. I mean, they tend to you know do their research. Um, so it's a little bit concerning that they have us so far behind in terms of the odds. I can't tell. We've gone like, it was optimistic, then it was pessimistic, then it was optimistic, then it was pessimistic. And I keep trying to then just talk about us and the Chesterfield game. But you guys are like, very, uh, understandably, very concerned about Morecambe's game. So, well, well I'm just, I'm just going to leave it at that and then just talk about what we can do against Chesterfield. Uh, well, I'm going to come back to you. Do you think we have a we we can win this game? Do you think we're likely to win this game? You've got to think so. I mean, there's always the concern that Chesterfield can play without any without any fear because they're already yeah you know, they've got nothing to play for. In fact, they've just beaten um, Newport County one 0 tonight. Um, I'm not sure that's you can read too much into that because they were at home and Newport, as we saw from when we played them, seemed very much on the beach already. Um, but yeah, there is that risk, or there's that risk that they've got something to prove. You know, they're they're playing another team that they feel probably should be joining them in, in the relegation zone to go out of the league, and they kind of want to show that they're as they're as good as they are. So there is always that risk. Saying that, um, I would imagine that the Chesterfield players probably want to get off on their summer holidays as quickly as possible and forget that this season happened after, you know, what's really quite a shock relegation after going down from League One last year. Um, Barnet have got so much to play for. They should be so motivated. Martin Allen, I imagine, will will see to that. I, you've got to think that, that we're strong favourites to win that match. Um, but it would be typically Barnet, wouldn't it, for Morecambe to mess up their game and somehow we only draw with Chesterfield or something like that. There's always that risk. But you've got to be optimistic about that game as a standalone fixture. Uh, OK. And for you, uh, Jonathan? Uh, I am absolutely no doubt in my mind that we I put myself on the spot now but I, I feel like we're going to win that game against Chesterfield I'm very confident of that I said it before in all our home games no matter who we play if Martin Allen's in charge I'll be very confident we can get a win we've got a massive crowd apparently turning up to that game which can be a big big help the crowd that turned up at Morecambe there was 240 Barnet fans and a lot of them would have made that last minute decision to go on the coach uh, I really do applaud them for making that decision because they were so, so good on Saturday. Um, Will and I in the commentary where we were sitting, we couldn't actually see them that well. But then when we went, I went down onto the pitch to have a look at them after the game and they were they were fantastic. They were singing all the way through the game. We heard them the whole way through. And from my understanding, I mean, there's, earlier today they were saying on the Facebook and Twitter that, that, that there's limited seats left in the West Stand we've got the North Stand which would suggest there's going to be a good number of Barnet fans in that stand the South Stand's been excellent for the past however many home games I, I can feel the home crowd will be that extra man that we need they'll give the players that extra 10% they'll make them sprint that little bit further jump that little bit higher dive that little bit further just make them get to the ball first and they're just given that little bit of extra energy that they might need and I feel with that home crowd behind us we, we will win going back to that commentary I know you said you wanted to go away from it but just to add a little bit of positivity on that what Will said about that Chris Uolumo when you score six goals in a game you're going to go straight back out Mark McNulty the striker scored a hat-trick in that game and I'm sure he'll be wanting to uh, to get another hat-trick or get another good number of goals under his belt just before the season ends as well. Fair enough. Uh, and finally, Tom. Yeah. I have forgotten the question. <laughs> it's because they talk I've for been, so long, isn't it? That's the problem. Um, I've been so buried in stats I've forgotten the question. I like that. Good. Now, the, the question was, do you think that we, Barnet, will beat Chesterfield do you think we're likely to beat them yes right yeah yeah I couldn't I was trying to look at see what kind of specific uh, weaknesses they had they're just a bad team basically 
their expected goals against is 50.23, which I think is on the low side, but that happens with expected goals models. But they've conceded 80, which points to just a horrible defence. Um, so, yeah, I don't see why we can't. But as you have rightly said, I think it was Will, the pressure's off them. And they've gone and they've gone and beaten Newport tonight, which isn't a bad result by anyone's uh, by anyone's standards. So, I think it needs a goal early on to settle it down, um, because there is going to be a big crowd there, as as we know, and that only adds to the sense of occasion and you know kind of amps up the pressure. Um, and if if it's not going well, then the crowd gets nervy and things start. You know, the players feed off that. And it can work against you. So I think we need a, a fairly early goal, preferably Alex Nichols, um, and 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 build from there. Uh, yeah, hundred percent, we can beat them. And given our home record, which Jonathan rightly uh, talks up under Martin, I, I fully expect us to beat them. So it's just whether um, Coventry hold up their end of the bargain and smash Morecambe into the next millennium to <laughs> complete the job for us. It's funny that you mention mentality in some way because as we're discussing this game, I can I can sense, Will, I can sense your nerves. As in even just through the medium of discussing the game for the pod, I can sense your caution. Jonathan, you as well actually, but Will, specifically you, I can I can actually hear your brain churning everything over constantly. Like there are so many positives, that must be a negative. But it's positive, but it's negative. I can hear your brain doing that. It must be absolute torture. Right. Oh, it, 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 can I if I could just no, it, you're absolutely right, Staff. It, it is pretty torturous this week but if i could just nip him with one more little stat that might give barnet fans a bit of positivity yes mark mcnulty is on 23 goals for the season and billy key is currently the top scorer with 25 goals now i don't know what the you know the thing that differentiates if both players end up with the same goals at the end of the season but mcnulty's played less minutes um he's got you know more more goals per the minutes he's been on the pitch and um you know, we've seen with Harry Kane the way that these players do kind of obsess over these these things that they can finish the division's top scorer. You just wonder if he's looking at that that total and going, God, if I could just get a couple in that final game. And I guess he's got the playoffs as well to do it. He might be thinking, well, you know, I can I can get that that golden boot and I'll be, you know, it kind of helps his general reputation, I guess. So maybe there's that just that little added incentive for him to get a couple of goals against Morecambe. I don't know. I know it's clutching at straws, but it's always nice to throw out a potential positive, isn't it? <laughs> You've just done it again. <laughs> You've given me a whole, like a solid argument that's really positive. And at the very end, just kind of gone, but I don't know if it means anything. It's <laughs> just, it, it is what it is. <laughs> Um, I'm going to ask all three of you then, just just in terms of this game, do we think Barnett are going to win this? Will? I think Barnett will win the game against Chesterfield, yeah. Uh, Jonathan? If it's winning the game against Chesterfield, then yeah, I, I, I believe we'll win that. Tom? Yeah, we'll win. The million dollar question, sorry Will, I'm going to start with you again. We think that all three of us, all three of us, all three of you... Uh, think that Barnet will win. Do you think that the Coventry Morecambe result will be favourable and we're staying up? God, I, I feel sick just thinking about it, to be honest. But <laughs> I, that's why I asked the question. I don't actually care for the answer. I just want to make you feel bad. I, I'm really fighting the urge to be be positive with it somehow. But I do think that Coventry will beat Morecambe. I do think we'll stay up. I don't, normally, I'm the you know the voice of optimism, but. I keep trying to make myself think, oh, but Coventry, you know, all Morecambe need is a draw, they both just need a draw, but at the end of all of it, I just, I do think that Coventry will win that match, so I, yeah, I think we'll stay up. Okay, Jonathan? Like Will, I'm fighting the urge to say, yes, Coventry are going to win that, because I would get my hopes up for when they inevitably don't beat Morecambe, but I do... I do think they'll win that game. Um, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to be cautious and don't get too far ahead of myself. But I do have a. I'm quietly confident commentary will just about do it. Tom, this really reminds me of the end of the 2012-13 season where uh, my other love Watford were going for an automatic promotion on the final day. They were 
just behind Hull in second and Cardiff who were top and who were already up. If Hull bettered Watford's result, they'd get second. If Watford bettered Hull's result, Watford would get second. Leapfrog them. Fantastic. We were playing a Leeds team with nothing to play for and I thought, easy, we'll beat Leeds, no trouble. But my reservations were about Cardiff beating or drawing with Hull because as they were already out there, nothing to play for. Um, in the event, Cardiff and Hull drew two all, which was perfect. And Watford managed to lose 2-1 to a lead side with nothing to play for, uh, injured their first-choice goalkeeper in the warm-up, battered their second one in the game and he got taken off injured. And the third one came in and chucked one in to hand leads, an inconsequential win. And that was the end of our automatic hopes. And I just... I just have kind of Vietnam-style flashbacks to that. Just like everything that could possibly go wrong that day went wrong that day. So I have absolute confidence in Barnett doing their bit, a bit like then. And my reservations are over um, Morecambe and Coventry. So I'm going to say I think we'll stay up. I think the results will go away and there will be a pitch invasion and mine, Allen, will be carried from the hive a hero and everything will be rosy until we're in this situation next season that was a nice plot twist at the end there I did not see that one coming (laughs) Um, I'll just add Will if it helps you to hear me say it at all I think the most likely scenario is that Barnett stay up at this point Um, that's the sort of sober uh, analytical side of my brain I think it's just the most likely result or combination of results there is as Tom has touched on as what well, all three of you have touched on there is that small aspect that just says but this is football you know a Man United team would down at half time against City amazing comeback and then just blew it in the next week against West Brom um, you know Tom's story about Watford Hull and Cardiff there's that that sits in the back of my mind but I think just analytically based on the logic of the situation I think we are like the more likely result is for us to stay up um, which is great on many levels but also quite depressing because I literally mocked you not less than a month ago for being a crazy man and yet I could well be forced to eat humble pie I mean yo to be fair it's, it's all credit to Martin Allen isn't it because I don't think even the most optimistic of fans before he took over really thought that he had a chance of of getting us to stay up it's just as as the season's w- gone on under you know the, the the segment of the season where he's been in charge there's been such an upturn that it started to become believable i really hope this is one of those wisdom of the crowds instances where the, you know the four of us all think this so logically it's going to come true but i uh i've got a terrible feeling that we'll all be proved wrong and it will uh, go the other way on <laughs> saturday Sorry, Will, you, you just mentioned asking the most optimistic of fans. We can do that. It's pretty easy. We've actually got him on the line now. Will, <laughs> did, you think, did you think that we were going down? I, yeah, I thought we were going down pre-Martin Allen. I think after, I can't remember which game it was. It was the, the match that followed his first game against Luton. Um, that was the one where I started to think, oh, maybe there's just you know a chance, but... I, no one could have foreseen how impressive it's been since he's come in. I was there well, for the I, game. I saw well, Will after the game, and Will genuinely looked like a man who had drunk from like a pure sugar fountain. He was so excited and happy. <laughs> it was hilarious. Jonathan, you were going to say something. Sorry. Uh, what, what I will find really funny is, as I mentioned earlier, I was listening to our last pod, and we're having call a you vain again. I called you vain the first time. But I feel like it didn't get picked up properly, so it's just going to sound like I was just having a dig under my breath. But I'm currently vain for listening to our own pod back again. I was doing it for research purposes. Um, <laughs> we, we were the best no, source we, you could find. Exactly. I just wanted to listen to myself insult a fan again, really. <laughs> um, but we were having a really good debate as to whether we'll stay up or not, and Will was the only one who said, yeah, we'll stay up. And I find it, I'll find it really funny if we do stay up because everything Will argued in that debate has gone the complete opposite way because he was saying Grimsby won't beat Swindon, Grimsby won't beat Notts County, this will happen, this will happen. All that has gone against us, but the one thing he has said that might actually just happen is that Barnet will stay up. I just don't know how that's happened. 
That oh, I don't completely dismiss my... <laughs> I mean, you, you are right. Of course, I didn't... Um, you know, I, I thought Grimsby would be the one. I didn't, in all honesty, never really considered that Morecambe would, would do so bad. I, I, I do think I might have referenced it, that that could have been a big game, but I think it was... Uh, that I always thought it was unlikely. But the thing is, it's all been, always been about Barnett's points total, hasn't it, really? We said if they could win the last three, they would... You know, probably stay up, and that may still prove to be correct. You know, regardless of what the other teams did, if we could get enough points on the board, it might be enough to save us. And you know, we're taking it right to the wire, but that could could still be true. Like to say, we have just won our first back-to-back game since early September, which is something that one of that said in that pod said we hadn't done in how long? Was it you, Jonathan, who said we mm. hadn't done that since September? Uh, hey. I think so. It, it oh, was Tom. Tom. Yeah. Yeah, Tom. Yeah. Chipped in just in time. I should to be know, wrong. really. I, I hired by hosting. I listened to it earlier today. <laughs> um, good. I also liked that you very brilliantly gave credit to Will for getting the right outcome, but for getting all his workings wrong. Just to cast real doubt over his intelligence publicly. <laughs> that was really good, very subtly done. I liked that. Right. He hasn't, think- he hasn't got the right outcome yet. Oh, don't, we, I was trying to end on a positive. <laughs> I was trying, I, like I've just shaken absolute misery out of out of will. I thought right, I've, I've hyped him up. We've built him all up. Good point to sort of wrap things up. You've got to brought all the Barnet fans crashing back down to earth, which appears to be your job, Jonathan. Taking Barnet fans on a high and then crushing them under your foot. There's a, there's still a job to do. <laughs> right, um, we did. Well, not I haven't actually because I have better things to do in my life. But the three of you have made your Player of the Year awards, I believe, your nominations. We're not going to announce them on this pod because we try to want to. We want to try and keep this one to under an hour, and also because it's something to be done at the end of the season, of course. So we'll save those for another day. Uh, and on that note, I think it's any other business time. So, Will, any other business? Anything you want to mention before this game? I don't think so. I think we've covered all the all the critical stuff. To be honest, it's it's a case of the time for talking being over, really, isn't it? We've just got to get to this game and, and see how it pans out and then analyse everything afterwards. So, no, there's nothing else from me. Cool. Jonathan, for yourself, any other business? Bit of time to get whatever's on your chest off? Anyone on Twitter said anything that you don't like? <laughs> Not this time. Um, no, I haven't got any other business. So all I have to say is, if you haven't got a ticket to the game on the weekend, then do so. We need everyone we can, so I urge you all to get to the Hive this weekend and support the Bees. Tom, you're not going to be at the Hive on Saturday, are you? No, I've made the uh, error, some might say, of uh, getting a ticket for Watford Newcastle in what was a dead rubber. Uh, and I'm um, even better still, I'm going with my, uh, my girlfriend's Newcastle supporting father in the Watford end. So he is guaranteed to be extremely smug when they beat us. So I'll just be consoling myself with the fact that Barnet will be staying up. Good, good, good. Any other business from yourself on the last game or anything we've discussed today? No, just come on you bees. Excellent. And there were no Twitter questions today because you were concerned that Jonathan would have another go at someone. So you thought we'd just give it a break for a week? Yeah, I think you just have to remove the danger, don't you? So... uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> until Excellent. he's been rehabilitated properly Excellent. the public right. liked it <laughs> I mean I liked it personally Duncan Young was disappointed <laughs> it wasn't him that he got used everyone loves a bad boy that's what I'd say I will just say though Sam Collins if you're listening to this if you decided to give us another chance I did actually agree with your point I thought it was a good point um, <laughs> just, you know, just throwing that one out there some people do agree um, right Final game of the season on Saturday. Be there or be square. Just realised as I'm saying that that I probably won't be there, but, you know, I'm a hypocrite. Um, be there or be square, bees. Terrible. Uh, <coughs> our Twitter is at Barnet underscore podcast. Our website is officersclubpod.com. We do normally announce when we're going to pod the day before or the morning before we pod. Um, we didn't do it this time, actually, because we just didn't think we'd have enough time for questions at the end. Because we tried to make this less than an hour, he says, squinting at his screen to try and figure out if it is less than an hour. And I think we've just made it. I would say round of applause, but let's not do that, gents. Let's keep this below an hour. After we say goodbye, 
don't turn off your podcast just yet because we hilariously messed up the introduction to this pod twice something that we do every time we record but this time i'm going to pop it in at the end as a blooper so you can all enjoy hopefully make you all laugh if you're listening to this before the game and i think that's all from me anything from you will no i'm all good um see you on saturday and come on you bees jonathan no follow me on twitter at jonathan blakey uh, and yeah, come on your bees. Excellent. Tom? Bees, bees, bees. Uh, T-B-B-O-D-E-L-L on Twitter. Lots of Barnet-related banter, including could Martin Allen be the new Sunderland manager, if you follow me? Yeah, don't get me started. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the unfollow button? Right, I'm at Estivaros, E-S-T-I-V-A-R-O-S, and Will, you might as well plug yourself as well. Oh, I like that. Will G. Evans one. He never tweets. Doesn't stand for I... Gareth, it stands for Gwyn. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's call it let's call it a day. Good night all. Thanks, gents. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Stath, and I'm joined here this evening by Thomas Bertie Bedell. Very, very formal. Good evening. William Gareth Evans. It's not my name, but good evening. What's your what was your name? I don't, should I be putting this out publicly? It's, it's, it's Gwyn. G-W-Y-N. Sorry, hold on a second. I, 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 we're going to have to cut this out. But, um, Why? Tom, your name's not actually Bertie, is it? Yeah, it is. That's I'm worse not... than Gwyn, though, surely. <laughs> I don't think it is. Are you Welsh, Will? My family's Welsh, yeah, going back a couple oh, of generations. So like... I'm not cutting this out, by the way. You're... Just paring on. You've got to cut it out. No, it's a shambles. Longest podcast ever. Please leave that in. Oh, that's, it's staying in. And Jonathan, Good. I don't know your middle name, Blakey. David. Thank you. Disappointing after the, the start we had. Right, let's crack on. Here you go. <laughs> um, before we start. On, we're not actually leaving it like this, are we? Oh, no, 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 we've got to start again. This is starting pressure. We've got to do better. <laughs> I'm going to add this no, on at the end. Man. Okay. Hi, my name is Stath, and I'm joined here today by Thomas Bertie Bedell. Good evening, very formal. William Gwyn Evans. <laughs> Hello. Jonathan David Blakey. Thank you. Hello. We should what are you thanking him for? I don't actually know why I'm thanking him, but yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Right, take three. Right. Gwen. <laughs> Gwen, not Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Superb.